2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Today, we are talking to Alana. And Alana wrote in with um, a conversation or a topic, I think, that uh, while heavy is universal in the (laughs) sense of I don't know about you, Danae, but I hear um, different variations or versions of of some of these stories in a lot of the clients that I've worked with um, and even in myself and my personal experience. Um, And so I'm not even really gonna get into it too deeply, but I I really want you to kind of give us the top line of of what you really wanted to to talk about today.
0: Just a quick
4: background to kind of set it all up. Um, There's two men involved where in my twenties, I was in a a seven year relationship, very codependent relationship. with an addict. And he picked up that habit about halfway through our relationship. And just like anybody trying to make a relationship work in that kind of situation, you know, after a handful of trial and errors, I decided to finally walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. But the good thing that that we were able to do with that was we were able to maintain a friendship, very close friendship. That that was a big adjustment for me in about 2017, 2018. Right after that, I had uh, met up with my first kiss, my first boyfriend when I was a kid. And it was, it was perfect, it kind of just matched up. We were adults now. Long story short, we had ended up uh, getting engaged, moving in together, um, everything was kind of fitting perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after we got engaged, he started to drink a lot um, mm-hmm. and very, very quickly. Um, his whole demeanor and everything changed, um, where it was very, very, very dangerous to stay in that situation. Um, I had gotten me and myself, uh, me, myself and my son out and um, into a new place at the end of 2019. I, I grieved that relationship. Um, I also didn't understand what was happening with him because mm-hmm. he was not the same person. In December of 2019, he had come to my apartment on a bender and was arrested after that incident and was looking at some serious time for things that happened there. And uh, in March of 2020, we were waiting for court to happen for that in April. And my, my friend had had relapse right before that, and I was letting him stay with me for a week or two while he was looking for a bed in a facility. Um, at that time, the gentleman that I was involved with court with um, came again to my apartment. Um, thankfully, my friend was there and was able to to stop the situation from happening. But my ex-fiance had then uh, taken his life that day mm. after the events of everything happened. That was a week before quarantine started. So mm. that was a very heavy and dark time. You, nobody can you't nobody ever thinks that these things are capable mm. of happening. And I had to sit there with that for an extended period of time in the place that these things happen. Miraculously, I got through it. My friend had stayed with me for the quarantine. And then afterwards, he had then moved on with the things he had to do, um, got himself clean. Mm -hmm. And uh, was actually in school for, um, he was working at a nonprofit that advocated for um, addicts in the city. Um, And he was really, he was doing really well. In December of last year, 2020, uh, he had uh, he passed away of an overdose and that was such a pivotal moment for me where I no longer believed I was in my reality just there was a version of me that died with each of them and then the second quarantine started in December here um, again like a week after that and I had to basically go through that whole process of spiraling down to the bottom mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out what do I do from here because nothing made sense a lot of grief, and then on top of grief, a lot of belief systems being completely ripped down around me.
1: Yeah,
4: and then me having to figure out some sort of meaning to things. Thankfully, resources through different communities and stuff like that are able to keep you connected, especially during the current, like with this pandemic. Everybody made those things very streamlined. But the biggest challenge I face today, still with all this, is the the letting go
2: mm.
4: and the acceptance. And that anger that is misplaced because it's, there's really nothing and no one to be angry at, but it's very real and present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was a lot, it was heavy and I don't really know where to focus my healing at first. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of scattered with the healing and doing a little bit of this work and a little bit of that work to feel productive, but the the letting go and the acceptance, it's the it's really all just a distraction of that.
2: I want to, um, reflect back a couple words and kind of themes that I've heard. So, you know, you made mention of the misplaced anger, right. And, and not really knowing where to put it. And like, it doesn't feel like anger should be there, but it is, um, you made mention of like the desire to make meaning right out of everything happening. Um, this kind of, push, I guess, internal push to um, focus yourself on your healing, keep it productive.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And all of these different points throughout this this um, you know top line that you've given us, it feels a lot like there is some kind of, and Danae, maybe you can help me with my words here, but it feels a lot like there's this push of like, it should look like this, it shouldn't look like this. This shouldn't be here. This should be here. I should be on this kind of timeline. Like it there, that feels to me, even when you're talking, that
4: you're putting a, a lot on your own shoulders in this in this process. They were they were nine months apart. Um, mm-hmm. their passings. And just when I was starting to feel a little bit better, mm-hmm. then I started at the beginning again. And I'm just tired yes. of grieving. And I'm tired of feeling tired of it. Yeah. Um, that's probably where a lot of my made up timelines come from is because I need to feel better Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or I need to at least have a spark and and I think that I have I found that over like the last few months especially the weather changing gives me like a little bit more motivation stuff like that but it's fleeting it it lasts a week and then I'm and then I go back it's so non-linear and it's so true what they say about it um the ups and downs and I try to do the most with those moments of motivation that I can, I actually give myself anxiety because of it. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. I have to do things yeah. before I start, before I feel bad again. Yeah.
3: You know, I think what I feel like I hear Vanessa speaking to a little bit and I agree is that what you're describing on is just such significant trauma. And I think it becomes really important to to lower the expectations. And listen, Vanessa and I are both mothers. We understand that, you know, like shutting down completely, not functioning becomes not an option. I have to still be able to get up, you know, live my life and take care of my kid. And I got a hold for the complexity of what I am going to feel on any given day. Meaning I don't think with what you've been through, um, you know, the trauma aside from, Um, these two losses would be significant in this last year, but you've had that sort of on top of um, what we have gone through collectively, and so I just want to name like, I don't think that looks like good days or bad days, I think that looks like days that have a whole lot of complexity, and it becomes like breath to breath. I stay with myself, I allow for what I feel, and that you know, to the point of what you just said, yeah, it's not linear, it's going to be all over the place and feel murky. And I've got to allow for the truth of what I feel moment to moment because that's where it is. That's how big what you're describing is. Do you know and what I mean? that is
2: so much easier said than done, right? Because let's be real, the reality of what Danae just said is fucking infuriating. Mm. It's infuriating. Like, I'll just name it. I mean, we want things to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And why can't it be done already? Like, this is ridiculous, right? It's been X amount of time. And I know I'm supposed to feel these things, but also, so there is that. And and I think a lot of times too, there's anger that can come up in the real human expectation of like wanting it to look and feel and sound and smell
4: a certain way and it not. Mm. That, that I think is important for us to recognize too. The events of the last two years have turned into my identity. And that's mm-hmm. where I have a huge problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and there's days that I want it to be my identity because I need it as a crutch to excuse behavior of me being late mm-hmm. for work or mm-hmm. just not capable of showing up. But then there's other days where I'm like, God damn it, I'm me. I'm this person. I'm I have other experiences et cetera, et cetera. And I I had gotten a new job so that nobody knew me and, you know, I could just go in fresh and be however I want it. And then that was also making me angry, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know how to live with this identity being incorporated into who I am. There's has to be like a healthy middle ground of taking this and, and being able to function and flourish with it. And I'm on like a weird... Uh, individual journey of trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with this now? Like career-wise, like I'm trying to, like, I know I have to be able to somehow neatly put this in a box and, and find a reason for it later. Pause there. Pause there. Who's telling you that? I am. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Who told you that before now? Like who would say that? I think that's just me trying to find some sanity in it is that this, this happens, this happened for a reason and to be able to find the strength to get through it, then that's, that has to mean something or the skills and, and crazy lows and highs of everything that you learn from this stuff. Like it has to be put in some sort of momentum. That's just like, that's just an idea. That's pretty much as. Then my anger for the last little bit is like, okay, so if I have to live with this, then I have to integrate it. Right. In and a, here's yeah. the thing
2: integration doesn't happen by force. Right. Yes.
3: You know, it becomes this thing, on, of what we resist persists. I mm-hmm. hear a lot of resisting the truth of where this is right now. I find that normally we're not done with something until we are just, um, you know, at the point of like, we've exhausted every way of fighting against this that we possibly can. It's like when a child has a tantrum and they've like kicked themselves out to the point where they're just like exhausted. And then it's like, ah, oh, and now finally I give like, I'm done. I have nothing Uncle. left. That is what I find. We are like as humans with whatever the thing is, you know? And I think I hear a lot of the messaging that so many of us get. Um, it is what it is. I got to figure out how to make meaning. I got to keep going forward. I got to, you know, and everything, everything happens, happens for a reason. Yes. And it's not to minimize any of those. And mm-hmm. and it's not that those things aren't true. Exactly. But to force ourselves to be there before that is the integrated truth of what I actually am feeling is true for me, mm-hmm. um, just really denies denies myself, denies the truth of like, where I am in this process. And it becomes this bypassing of of the um, the process of like, what I need to experience through this chapter, right? This isn't who you are. This is a chapter of your story. It is not the whole story, but unless I really give myself the time and, you know, honor what this has been for me by being in this chapter fully, like we want to rush to the next chapter. We want to like move on past this. I've done this and listen. messy part. (laughs) Oh my God. But until we really like allow ourselves to just submerge in the muck, you know, I find a lot of times we don't realize how much we've been resisting, like really jumping in the muck until we're like, all right, I get like, I just... I have nothing left. I'm going to like fully be in this. You know what I mean? And also that's
2: hard because you have a kid and you need to survive and you've got a job and you need to be able to function. And so like, I recognize all that. I don't think that they can't coexist. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I do think what Danae is speaking to, I mean, you don't have to, you know, just lay in bed all day and that be the place of being in this muck. Like you can do it while you also survive because what you're speaking to is very survival oriented Mm -hmm. oh it's
4: absolutely just been Mm -hmm. survival up to this point with everything just how do i get through the day so i can get back to reset Mm -hmm. and do another day again yeah um and as the grief's starting to lift um every like i had completely forgotten about all the trauma yeah (laughs) you know it was just it was so buried way deep back um and because I had forgiven him immediately after everything had happened, um, I and then just the events that followed, I realized I haven't dealt with that trauma. I've just only been the grief has just been the only forefront thing. Yeah. So it, I, as that's been kind of lifting. I've been aware of that recently. Just like, I, there's like real things as I go back out into the world and the triggers are happening left and right. I don't even know what a trigger is until it is a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's so much work in that area that I need to focus on now. Um,
3: Two things I want to say about, you know, circling back to just what you said for a second, Fidessa. Um, the first is, you know, I think whenever we are attempting to not feel something that feels scary, the resistance is often that I imagine if I go there, it's going to take me down, right? Like I'm going to be in a deep depression where I can't function. I can't do life. I like, I completely fall apart and that's a wrap. Right. And what I find happens, it's, it's a little bit like, I like to use this analogy um, that one of our professors gave us to actually. Be. So have you ever, like when you were in school, been like, I like, I'm trying not to fall asleep in class. And so I'm fighting falling asleep. I'm fighting falling asleep. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't even keep my eyes open. But if you actually were to, and when you do give yourself a minute to just be like, I'm just going to like either leave the class and go close my eyes for a minute, or I'm going to like turn in whatever and like close my eyes and just allow myself to surrender to the feeling of what my body needs to feel. It actually goes away very quickly. And so what I find is that when we allow ourselves to just like completely submerge in the wave of emotion, it actually, like, it's like what our body has been so hungry for that it's like, it's not fighting anymore. So it's like, okay, that was all I needed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the thing of like, I just won't give myself the room, the space to feel what I need to feel makes it bigger. Um So that's the first thing that I wanted to offer. And the other thing I wanted to say is we are talking about significant trauma. So I do want to ask like what there might be in terms of resources, support for doing some trauma work, because I think some of what you're describing does feel really difficult to process alone. Do you know
4: what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And I had avoided a lot of work with everything immediately after I had... I can make excuses left and right why I didn't. I moved kids. The second grief threw -hmm. me back into, I'm going to just stay in my room phase. Um, And also I know that's going to be ugly. And I just, Mm -hmm. um, I keep telling myself, wait till the grief lifts a little bit, wait till the grief lifts a little bit, wait till the grief lifts a little bit. But I I have a nice little fail safe in my brain where when I'm too in my head on one of my losses, I get to flip to the other one and give myself a break from one
2: Mm.
4: and not that it's so that it's never not not stopping but I can stop a spiral by starting another spiral Mm. and that's been my that's been my switch to get when I've had enough of thinking about this one topic for three days because I immediately after everything happened sitting with that would would ruin me for a week three days. Yeah.
0: Um,
4: but I haven't given myself an allowance to do it recently. Um, so much. I just kind of give myself the distraction that yet, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be a three day, you know?
2: Well, you know, I'll offer this too. I mean, look sometimes, and, and Danae's right. I mean, that's just not how our nervous systems work. It's not going to be where it like just totally takes you out. Like that usually mm-hmm. is more of our, our fear of the reality of it. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I mean, there are some times where the waves are bigger than other times. And what I have found helpful for myself, actually, but also in giving to to clients along the way is um, give yourself a certain amount of time and space, Mm -hmm. right? Like play around with the fact that your brain and your heart and your gut, they're all working in tandem here. So utilize them, say to your brain, okay, I know you're scared of this feeling, And we need to feel it. I can feel that like the thoughts are coming. The waves are coming. I'm starting to get into this spiral. So here's what I'm going to do. It's almost like scheduled worry time. I don't know if you've ever heard that kind of term, right? Or tactic. But it's like you say, I am going to go like my kiddos at school or whatever. I've got this time. I'm going to give myself one hour. I'm going to put a timer on my phone to go off in one hour. And in that one hour, I'm going to go into my bed. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to do a body scan. I'm going to let myself feel the gut-wrenching feeling in my stomach, the pain in my chest. I'm going to do some journaling. I'm going to do some breath. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to give myself one hour of being completely immersed in it. Then that timer goes off and you gently compose yourself and you say to your heart, we'll come back to this. We're Mm -hmm. not done. We -hmm. will come back to this. And right now, have to go pick my kid up from school. There is a process by which we can actually play with the different parts of the self and still keep it contained so that we don't come apart at the seams. Mm -hmm. I truly do believe that that kind of stuff helps and works. Um, And it it is actually a really good tactic sometimes when you're in the midst of it.
3: You do sort of say to yourself, I will come back to this. This becomes that reminder of like, there is no rush in this process. You get to take as long as this needs to take. And um, yeah, I think that I love the resources you gave that, that I can do with myself, you know, like the journaling, mm-hmm. the body scanning. And I also, I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling like a strong pull towards some sort of support if that's oh, available and that if that's not something in terms of resources that's available to you, I think there are a lot of resources online. I would, you know, I'm a big proponent of EMDR when we're dealing with this type of trauma. So I would love to um, just encourage you if that's something feasible to maybe get a little bit of support for working through the trauma as
4: well i actually recently really starting to look into the actual trauma work mm-hmm. that is every day that goes by is more obvious that it's, it's there and can't be ignored anymore because mm-hmm. after, after a crazy year like this, who wants to not grow, you know, who wants to, it, it forces it and there's days I feel great after being mindful or some meditating or, you know, doing something for myself. And there's like just little like glimmers or the little silver linings, like, okay, I know one day that this will mm. be the past. Mm. It's not yet. And it sucks. But, um, the mind, the, the, the being present, um, like you said, like after that hour and just going and, and really focusing on whatever activity I'm doing with my son, um, mm-hmm. or forcing myself to take a walk without my phone, um, things like that. It's the simple things I didn't realize that, that would make me feel like I could take a deep breath, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's time for that, for that other hard, messy work. And I'm there. I'm ready. I think. I also
2: invite you to look into some like somatic experiencing type work too, because if you do have this mindful um muscle kind of already established and built for yourself, Um, especially with grief and trauma, so much of it is in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like EMDR is great because it does some integration work. And then I think some somatic experience and work would be really helpful for you as well to start really getting into the body. And then that kind of work is something that you then can take and do in these tidbits and bite-sized pieces on your own um, without actually having to be in the therapist room. So it's almost like maybe what you could do in between the right. Sessions, you know, um, and yeah, no, I think Danae's right. I mean, I think it's like we do this work on our own, but we also do it walking alongside somebody who can help us, you know, mm-hmm. give us that container, you know, that safety. Um, it, it is a process of like titrating in and out of the deep waves of pain. And then I'm gonna pull out and take a breath and go be with my kid for an hour and I'm, mm. you know, gonna be mindful. And then there's the deep pain, and then there's a like, gotta make dinner right? Like, here's the reality. Got to cook dinner for him. Um, and, and that's it. Like, it's not, that's why there is no finish line to this stuff. It's not like it's going to look like this and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to check off this ta- trauma box and then I'm going to feel better. You know, integration is, you said it perfectly earlier. It's not linear. None of this stuff
3: is. Yeah. Yeah. And you will feel better. And it sounds like in a lot of ways, you are already starting to feel some of that you are intuitively tapping into some of these tools. Mm -hmm. And to V's point, I don't think that grief ever does go away fully, right? I think this will always be um a part of who I am, not mm-hmm. who I am, but this is a part of me. This has changed me Um in ways that at some point I will see the beautiful ways that I have been changed by these experiences. But yeah, I am forever changed.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Thank you guys.
2: <laughs> I really appreciate you bringing this to us, Lana. I think this is going to be really helpful for many to hear. I mean, it's, it's complex. And I think that what we're speaking to is just like tapping into the surface of the complexity. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, you know, I think it's giving, I think it'll give people and hopefully you too, that reminder of like, it's complex. Like I don't get to make it black and white just because that would feel safer for me. Right. Like um, and, and the more I try, I'm actually like almost hurting myself more than helping myself. And I think for you too, like the one last note that I would say is to really pay attention to the language Mm. that you use internally around needing or wanting or shoulding about like looking this way, not looking this way. Um, You know, it should be faster. It should be slower. Like whatever the words are, just notice that because your survival skills are on point. I can hear it and that's great. And we just want to be really aware of how often we try to beat ourselves into one specific path, you know? Integration. Yeah, I'm gonna integration. I'm going to feed myself into
3: integration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it. Well, please do us a favor and just let us know how you're doing. Maybe we'll circle back and do a check-in, but we'd love to hear how you've been. So if you shoot us an email and keep us posted. Okay.
4: We'll do. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. That's one of those
3: where you're just like, oh, my heart. She's mm-hmm. been through a lot.
2: And also it's, it's I think, becomes really apparent for us how tough it is to do some of this work in these like 30 minute little snippets that Mm. we bring to the world to listen to, you know, like I could have sat with her for a long time, clearly.
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel like she did such a beautiful job of speaking to where she is. And also I feel like, yes, we both were like, oh, love a little bit more time to process this with her.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's like this I think I have been really using this word titration, I think a lot lately, Mm -hmm. but it, it really is, I think such a practice that so many of us, um, I don't want to use the word should, but, but should really try to, uh, experience or give ourselves more of, which is like, what would it look like to dip into the feeling of being overwhelmed and completely in the emotion and then pull out and be in a space of containment and, you know, like survival, like got to get this done, got to function. And realizing that it's in that process that we actually do work towards healing or work through healing, um, that we don't have to live in one or the other.
3: Yeah. I mean, we're so societally conditioned to um, keep things contained. Yes. And yes, to an extent, especially when we're talking about the magnitude of something like this type of trauma, we do have to function all of the things that we were talking to her about and Um, A big part of why I love that you brought in the conversation of somatic experience work is that I feel like it gives us an opportunity to just like really allow all of the ways that we have been containing things in our body to just start to move and release Mm -hmm. and be free and um, I mean, like I, I literally on the nightly allow myself to dance and release what I've been carrying throughout the day. And it's just amazing how we're not even aware of how much emotion we're storing in our body until we start to allow that to just get up and out, you know?
2: Well, and I think too, I mean, I, I again, like societally, we put so much emphasis and so much weight on the brain and making sense of things. And I have mm-hmm. to make meaning of this and it has to make sense and it's logical and black and white and what things like somatic experiencing or even EMDR really like allow us to do is like shut that part of ourselves off
1: yeah. and
2: not in like, um, like a shaming, like stop doing this, like stop trying to make sense of this, but more of like a take a breath, like mm-hmm. you relax let the body take over for a little while like let's let the brain take a break and let's let the body really be in what it needs to be in in this moment because this idea of integration like we spoke about a couple times it is integration means integration it means integration of all pieces each piece has to have its own component and its own part in the process and its own you know piece of the conversation and so so often i think we say so much in the brain that that's why you don't see integration happening because you got to bring other parts of self.
3: I often feel that the logical, the um, describing things through words, the like trying to, um, you know, do the thing that makes sense does not honor the magnitude of our pain. It does not speak to the complexity and the vastness and the, you know, all that it is that we we feel I am experiencing. And when I try to explain it away and I try to put it in a box, it really just doesn't honor the truth mm-hmm. of what is happening for us, I find.
2: Yeah, I think it's just, it's such a survival skill. And like, you know, thank God, thank God that our brains have developed in this way to be able to protect us in this way. And that our psyche does incredible things with trauma to make sure that we're still able to function, you know, and survive as an organism. And mm. if we want to not just survive, but we want to actually thrive, yeah. this is what we've got to do that work of bringing in all parts of ourself. Yeah.
3: And we will not be able to do that forever, right? We can't yeah. just be in survival mode forever. Right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram
3: at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.